Welcome back. It's another Thursday. Well, it's a Thursday when this is released. It might be Wednesday for you um, if you are anywhere on the other side of the world from Australia. <laughs> um, but welcome back to another episode. I'm very, very excited to share this with you. Um, I think you're going to really love this. I've got a very special guest on. Um, and this is a chat for everyone to think about and consider when it comes to publishing, essentially. Um, yeah, and all the other modalities that surround that as well. Also, um, all the links in the show notes <laughs> to are uh, there for um, when it comes to joining our Facebook group for the Writer's Advice Podcast or for joining my review group, which is um, Olivia Clear's Fabulous Readers. That link is in the show as well, uh, in the show notes as well. So if you want to receive more arcs of the series that I have coming up, the first book is released, um, which is Starseed. But the, if you are in, love a young adult paranormal, good versus evil, um, this is definitely up your alley and you're going, if you have read Starseed and you want to read more of the books and make sure that you join my review group, but that is all for me. Also, if you love this podcast, please leave a review. It helps a lot. And let's just get into this episode, guys, because that's what you're here for. Let's go. Writer's advice is a point of connection, a dose of inspiration, and an insight into the creative process of the babes behind the books. I'm your host, Olivia Hillier. Each week, I'll be interviewing authors from around the globe on their creative process and how they got to where they are today and what it's really like inside the industry of publishing. So listen in, take notes, and I hope you walk away inspired, ready to take on the next level of your writing wherever you are in your journey. Hello, writers, and welcome back to Writer's Advice. I'm very excited today because today we don't have an author, but we have the awesome Bradley Shaw from Shoreline Publishing. He has his own um, indie publishing house in Australia. So welcome, Brad. Thank you. Thanks. Not sure about the awesome, but I'll I'll take it. (laughs) Um, Now, I really wanted to get you on today because a lot of our listeners are up-and-coming writers or you know, they're, they're starting their writing journey, working on a current manuscript, or maybe they're just thinking about, you know, this is where I want to go down um, to become a fiction or a nonfiction writer. So can you just to start off with, give us a little bit about you and how you started Shoreline, how you got into this industry in general? Um, yes, I was uh, inspired, I guess, to help authors uh, in a higher, higher level of services, mainly because there was a very big gap in the market where uh, self-publishing was leaving authors very much stranded um, and very much alone. Um, and I decided I wanted to see that I could get um, more um, assets for the self-published authors and more. And so really I designed it to be a support network and a support option. And then of course it became that I had a lot of skills I could actually help them with that they then wanted me to incorporate those things. So the business model was created by the authors for the authors. Sounds cliche, but they actually, by them telling me what they struggled with and what they needed and what they were paying and what they were trying to spend, you know, what they had to spend and what they didn't get back and all the elements, um, I guess the agency was created. Um, there was also a lot of, uh, 
I think I was angry about a lot of the overseas agencies that come into Australia and they rip authors off. They can come in and they can actually um, take authors on contracts and they can then take that work and not have to deliver it, not have to really create any sales and really provide any resource or, or support. And that really frustrated me because I think Australians need to be protected, Australian authors need to be protected in Australia. And that's where I think I wanted to make sure we could sort of try to harness a lot more local uh, community and support and really get our own strong strengths here and take that overseas instead of authors having to go overseas to try to come back to Australia, which was really, diff you know, didn't really work. Yeah, hundred percent. There's definitely, well, I guess it's like every industry. You definitely find, you know, your your dodgy mm. publishing houses, as as yes. I'm sure there is in every, um, especially when you're a first time author. It's making sure exactly. that you're finding someone who is reputable that you can work with and is not, you know, ripping you off or you know giving you a, a dodgy contract. So sure. that's where you created your. Um, what did, what were you doing before Shoreline? Sorry, where did you find that guy? Um, well, I was, I was a journalist. I was a media marketing um, guru for many companies. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I was a professional manager for a lot of uh, brands and franchises that uh, are in the market so I could set up networks and, and designs for them. So it went really well. Excellent. So it was Very 35 years of, years of experience. Yeah, perfect. You've got the contacts. Um, so you, you did say there um, that you, you know, you found that gap that, that needed to be fixed um, to help authors, particularly those that were self-publishing and help guide them in that way. Um, mm -hmm. So is that what you specifically wanted to change about the industry when starting Shoreline? Well, I didn't really have a conscious I wanted to change. I just wanted to make sure authors were given support properly um, and making sure there are a lot of agencies out in the, in the world that authors can access the services of publishing, but they just don't have... Um, the next steps in that in that goal and that was really trying to create an area where authors can get in the marketplace new authors can be found new authors can be supported with events um, can be supported with price points because that's very very hard for new authors particularly self-published they don't get print volume which means if they don't have print volume they don't get cost reductions which means they don't then get a price point the retail can sell their books out comfortably and still make money. And that's the key is really trying to get yourself in the market affordably, strategically and present, presenting a quality product. So I really spent a lot of times with the agency when it was being designed was, okay, an author asked me a question, I need this. Okay, I'll find out how I can do that. And I made a lot of calls and because of my knowledge of, of I guess, business development, marketing strategies, I could really implement and work out the resources, negotiate the resources for the authors on their behalf, come back to the author and say, right, I've got this, 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 and this. This is what I can put together. This is an investment opportunity for you to share or help me to share in this ability to build this model. We can build the template together and then we'll go out to market together. So it's a very much a collaborative element where the author and the, and the publisher, as I was, have to work in the sense of, of the objectives they want to achieve have to be done in, in a collaborative sense um, or else... You know, there's no point in me just taking off the work and going off and doing the book because I think the author needs to still be guided, be encouraged, be a part of it um, and just have a, a confidence that that their goal, their legacy is being created and looked after. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. And that's what you see your role as a publisher to upcoming authors? Absolutely. I'm a mentor. 
them also. Yeah. I'm not just a publisher. I, I, I give back higher percentages of the royalties. I, I give back, a, I actually created lower investment opportunities because our costs were actually managed. Um, each author doesn't have to have that investment model where they have to put 10000 or $15,000 in. We actually are able to, to keep our costs under $5,000 and really bring authors into the mix where they can gain fifteen dollars or $20,000 worth of marketing and gain, you know, quality of bulk printing and, and design and, and, you know, editorial alone, which, you know, we, we spend sometimes, we can spend seven or $8,000 on editing books to get them up to standard for the market. Um, and that's all pooled funding and that's all pooled part of this process where authors in a community collaborate, they review each other, they read each other, they, they, re, they join into department like, events and and and, um, and uh, conferences and places where they can be a part of something but have that distinction that they are a first-time author supported by by really strong resources and it did take a few years to build don't get me wrong i didn't walk into it and have all these resources it actually evolved into the point of like how i had to do it there were certain points where i had to get print volume to get the price point so i was printing more books than i needed then i had to sell the books more than i needed so the real startup was putting myself under immense pressure to cater for what I needed the authors to have the, the confidence in. And through their confidence, that grew the agency's you know, organic um, deliverable, I guess. Yeah. That, and I think that's exactly why I love the way that Shoreline works. I think, especially in the year of 2022, you know, a lot of people are self-publishing. We ha People have that ability to do it, but this is where I've always seen a gap within um, any artistic business. I guess you have the artist and then you have the business. And a lot of the times yeah. the artist can be ripped off because they're selling it to the business that absolutely can help you become a name and, and take you somewhere. But that doesn't always yeah. mean that that person actually comes back profitable out of that situation. Yeah. So Absolutely. you've created um, an agency that's almost in between both of those things. Mm. Are you able to kind of give listeners explain specifically how you work differently in between traditional and um, self-publishing and creating that gap to, to help them essentially? Well, yeah. Um, well, as I said, um, with the resources, we can certainly bring their costings down on self-publishing yeah. um, and ac actually open a lot more doors because you actually, schools, libraries, and this is what authors find out the hard way when they self-publish, that schools, libraries, and a lot of booksellers and a lot of um yeah, even even small businesses buy books through certain distribution channels. They have to have agreements. They have to be alleged like a, a credible product because there's too much risk involved in buying something dodgy or buying something expensive and not having the support. So retailers particularly have a high standard, have a high um, high expectation, but they also have a low profit margin. So you really have to go in cheap on a retail. Schools and libraries only buy through institutional businesses, which means self-published authors may be able to get one or two books in their local school, but they won't get a national campaign um, or other elements. So we bring a lot of those resources to bring their marketability a lot more exposure over, around the world, um, access a lot of those resources. We get uh, more economical public marketing and uh, event setups and, and you know, supporting them. And as I said, of course, the print quality is always going to be higher too because we have a better buy price because we have a higher volume. So that helps the self-published author get a much better product, much better reputation. So the credibility that we buy or we have behind the author is the author's biggest asset. 
And that to self-publishing is really good. Now we're not, when you go to traditional publishing, traditional publishing is a whole different ballgame. Traditional publishing has the monopoly of the sense that they have the contracts with the Dimixes. So they do actually lock those bookstores. All the bookstores are contracted to these big distributors, top five. What happens is, of course, that a lot of new authors can't get out in the marketplace because there's no room because yeah. the big publishers have really monopolized all the space in the bookshop and they've guaranteed. So if you go to every bookshop, you'll see every same book, unless there's a small shelf somewhere that the local bookshop does have a little, you know, this is, this is Olivia down the road. She's published her book and I've got it on my shelf here. It's $35, but I've got it on my shelf here to help her because she's a local author. That's about as much exposure as a self-published author can do because the traditionals have boxed it in. Now, the traditional publishers will sell volume, but they'll give low margins on the returns of your, mm-hmm. of your profitability. New authors don't have a look in, in traditional publishing. No, really, no submissions are actually taken by traditional publishers. They only publish what they know. And that's the other thing that's the challenge is that traditional publishing is really just a regurgitating machine of profitability and making sure the names and the books and volumes are kept up. They're not really looking at new opportunities. They're not really looking at addressing where someone can start. They want to know where you're going to end. And then when, first thing they'll look at when you submit your book to them is well, how many friends on Facebook, how many followers, how much millions of dollars can I make from you? Are you a celebrity? Have you been in a tragedy? What can I monopolize out of you to make my profit? Yeah. And that's what they want. They want a story that is cash heavy. Yeah. They don't care that the story about a person and, and a memoir of, of a grandmother who's sharing her story coming to Australia, they don't care about, you know, a young girl going through PTSD. They don't care about the story. They care about... The, the the profit and 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 corporate machines and retail like Dimix QBD and all these big chains have to have that as well and that's where new authors and self-publishing authors just can't get in the market so my mission um, through the evolution of, of the market was to bridge that gap help self-published authors find a footing and help new authors or you know growing authors finding a, a place to be noticed and hopefully put them in a position where the traditional publishers can offer them a, a million-dollar contract, where Netflix can come and give them a, a film right because they've got a good-selling book. And that's what they need to have to get up the next steps. We're a stepping stone. We're not going to create a bestseller. I'd love to have that happen for someone, but I'm pretty sure because they're unknown, their challenge is much bigger and they need every secret weapon, every resource, every strategy you know, that they can get. So we try to yeah. help that. Yeah, mm. and you've also like... Yeah, maybe you don't have a bestseller, but you're definitely, I've seen a lot of your books um, get nominated for some great awards. So you're definitely putting people Absolutely. out there, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah, and we have we sell really well. Like, like you know, we have three or 4,000 books a month that sell very well. Um, and that's medium. That's a medium to modest mid-level sales margin. And that's what you want to be as Australia. First-time author should really expect that they're going to be, you know, in that early thousands in the, yeah. in the release of their first book because... You know, to get a to get a best selling status, you're up around the twenty five thousand books. And for a first time author, unless you have a following, you know, um, and there's a lot of books out there. And as I said, uh, the monopoly is coming from the top end, and it's not supporting the bottom end where people need to start to build into the market. They actually the the top end is drown is choking the market. And then, of course, unfortunately, not to sound too negative, the self publishing element is also not doing itself a favor because they're shortcutting the resources they're, they're not doing the editing they're not doing design they're not doing you know they're doing the oh look i can put my kindle up for 99 cents and i don't have to do any work yay and <laughs> yeah. what happens is it just that's just bo- that's just bogging up the market so what you're getting is a whole lot of and people 
are over, are over it. They're like, oh, God, you know, they're constantly bashing on social media for, look at my book, look at me, look at my book. And publishers like us, big publishers are bashing them and everybody's bashing everybody for books. So people step back and they say, yeah, you know, I'm just going to go to the bookshop where I know I can find the book, feel the book, and then I can buy it when I want it. Um, sometimes I'll buy it online if they know the people, I know the friends and family is great and it's more networks. But really, a lot of people are a little overwhelmed. And um, self-publishing is, is its biggest challenge, but it's also sometimes its biggest enemy is the process. And we try to do move the self-published author out of that, that tsunami of, of you know, um, negativity or, or, or poor quality and put them in, a, as I said, the credibility position where they can be noticed by bookstores because our list of books are noticed by and read by our books and they get purchased. And so the schools see the books, you know, so they get into a position where, you know, they're actually welcomed through our resources to be to be seen. And that's what's important is offline as much as online. A hundred percent. It's all about that credibility as an author too, and knowing that you actually are there as the incredible artist that you are. Because um, mm. there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, not putting down self-publishing because no, I'm sure no. there's amazing people who, who can self-publish, but there is a lot of that 99 cents ghost writing. Mm. I can make money mm. out of this um, industry. Like, as, like I, I'm yeah. sure there is any other industry as well. But oh, absolutely, look, I'm not meaning ne- I'm not meaning all across the board. Self publishing yeah. is, is a negative. What yeah. I'm saying is they made it too accessible, too easy, and they've had they've they've lessened the quality. Um, and those that respect the craft of writing, those that respect the craft of publishing, um, have done good jobs. I've seen some brilliantly self published books, and then some brilliantly campaigners, and they're doing great things, and they're setting themselves up. And they don't need our resources. That's what I'm saying. So where that mid-level when authors come to us, they need that resource. They need that help because they can't do those things they need to do. Um, So that's really important. What I mean is that, yeah, so I'm not saying that every every self-published author is, you know, terrible. There's some brilliant ones out there. Um, But but there's also those out, there's too many of the other end of it, though, that aren't in a controlled quality market. So they're not actually producing. And that's where they're letting themselves down and bogging up the system. And that's where, you know, it's a hard slog for us to counteract, not only fight the traditional million dollar budgets that they're throwing at their marketing, but also over trying to get over the overwhelm of some of the lesser quality of the self-publishing um, part of the market. So, yeah. Yeah. So really it's, a real, sitting, it's a real challenge. You're sitting in a good space in between it all. Then. <laughs> Just well, we're trying to. Yeah. We're um, trying to. So if a author was coming to you um first of all as a publisher how many how many submissions would you say that you get a month uh, about 40 about 40 yep and how many books do you publish a year at the moment uh we publish a year but you got to remember we're publishing usually two years out yeah <laughs> so so what i'm publishing now is from last year which was on carryover um but generally we offer about four or five contracts a month out of those missions um, yeah. over average um yeah. and yeah we publish about probably 50 to 60 books a year depending on the variable in the scheduling and the in the sales cycle yeah um and it's it is again also being real strategic but you want to make sure you're keeping the volume reasonable and um, yeah, no, we are a bit backlogged at the moment. So, so the next four months, we do have a few uh, additional titles coming out. So we're actually doing a few extra extra releases that just to catch up on last year's that we've, you know, because of everyone knows uh, the major issues that we were affected by in the whole industry. Um, yeah. So yeah, so no, on average, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's awesome. amazing. There's so much talent out there to draw from. You know, yeah, so I, was gonna say, you're I wish I could help everyone. 
you've got an exciting job like you get to read all the all the new and upcoming um mm. authors coming out into so for someone to say someone a listener wants to submit to you what specifically are you looking for in a great book or a great submission or a great author i think um one of the key elements for for the re- review that we give is that it shows the seriousness in the intent to write properly and they they have done their homework um you know, that they've learned the craft of writing they can do in a radio, they can tell a story, they can create a chapter, they can create it, they understand the dialogue usage. And they've taken time in learning writing. They don't necessarily have to have it edited, but it does need to be not just the first draft, a good time of work and revision on it is, is noticeable. Um, and just really showing us that they respect the craft. Having the good story, of course, is another asset. That's a whole good thing that we can create with that. Um, and we talk about that and evolve that as we show interest. Once I see the interest in the in the craft as being shown i'll keep reading if i stop reading then it's because the writing hasn't been you know done properly hasn't been done yeah. well hasn't been done with the care uh and respect because writer as a skill has to know what a reader is wanting and how to tell that story to them mm-hmm. and the readers will find that in the books too when they read it they don't want to feel like they're reading that's the key. Yeah. That's the secret. You have to just be able story. to flow through a story and just let it happen. Um, it's like selling or marketing. It's like people don't want to feel like you're, you're marketing to them or selling. They just they just want to notice it themselves and go, oh, wow, that looks amazing. And then and be engaged. So the idea is just to try to keep, um, keep the flow. And that's where I find when I reject or dismiss a lot of the submissions, it's only because of either um, there's a certain laziness in the style. They've actually sort of, you can tell they've just written it in scribbles or thoughts and then want us to do all the work. It's not how we work. We want to show a collaboration, as I said, and make sure that, yeah, we're taking them to the next step and they've shown the intent. We do get a lot of books that have been self-published and they've experienced all of those frustrations and come on board with us because they want to help to get it up into another level so that, you know, they've done a lot of the work as well, which you know, shows me, you know, they're serious because yeah. they have to be serious. You know, yeah. It's an investment for them. It's an investment for us. And everybody has to come out at the end, hopefully with the same goal. Yeah, absolutely. What is mm. some definite no's? Like, obviously when you said lazy writing and things like that, is there anything else that's like, that's a definite no when it comes to a submission? Um. Not really a definite no. Like it's instinct. Um, you read enough of them, you know. It's hard to like. There's no defining factor, and I'd never want to discourage anyone from submitting just for the fact yeah. that I might have a, a prejudice. You know, um, yeah. like I mean, some of the challenges that authors face today is they've got to remember their story and their authenticity and then their natural voice, and they've got to write it to that way. Um, a lot of authors, I'll write a beautiful story about. A family in the 50s or the 60s growing up or they'll have these stories of of even you know indigenous cultures and, and interactions and stuff through the 1800s you know and they'll come to me and they'll go oh you know i've written this terminology and i don't know i don't want to offend anyone and i don't want to this i'm like but you've written it in a period that isn't relevant to today you today's society has gone gone cross crossover like we're gone we're gone into political correctness in a way mm. that that doesn't even doesn't even make sense but to then reflect on a book that's a historical book about a period of time when that situation was happening and try to say, can I say it now? Well, well, yes, you can. <laughs> because it's still, it's in its narrative. It's in its period as a book. It's not in, you're not saying this now, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm so, so glad you brought this up because I think this is a very, this is a topic yeah, I've, I've a been lot. had recently. Yeah. yeah, it's like, 
there's been times even um, when I've worked with an editor before and they're like, oh, I think mm. you need to take that out. Like, this isn't going to be accepted. That's not okay. But if I look at it, I'm like, this is real life. Like, this is what's well, happening. That's what but yeah. So how do you, we are in a, there's parts of the world that are burning books. Like Dr. Zeus is <laughs> he's like not allowed places. I don't know. <laughs> how Absolutely. Do you, this is, uh, yeah. Yeah. How, how do you feel like, obviously as a publisher, I think obviously mm. the big five are having to be a little bit more careful in this. I yeah. I think this is where it's very important that there are those um, smaller publisher groups that push past that because you need mm. you need it you need the realness. Like well the well not only that controversy helps sell a book too. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. So you know if there's if we can get a bit of bit of bit of controversy out of it, um, it does make it hard, of course, because media and social media has has relevant delicacies like you know, that we have to be conscious of in marketing, Um, you know, so you can't exploit those issues. But uh, people's opinion and reviews certainly highlight some of those things. That's fine. That's that's not to say, you know, those things are in there. And as I say, if you don't like Ferraris, don't drive a Ferrari. You have a choice. You know, you don't have to read a book if it's offending you. You stop. Oh, okay, I didn't realise that was in there. That's okay. I feel this way. I'm not going to enjoy that book. That's fine. But... I wouldn't publish the book if I didn't think that 10 out of every, you know, 11 people are going to love it. Mm-hmm. So I work the numbers and I work the, 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 the risks. And like any businessman, I say, yes, this is a story that's written in a period that's, that's authentic, it's true, uh, it's, it's real to the sense of how people, uh, you know, and we change names, we change, um, you know, references, we even protect the author's name. So, yeah. you know, elements can be controlled in publishing. But realistically, a story has a right to be told regardless of its genre specifics or its in specifics or its you know, prejudices, its religions, its contents, its, its cultures. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And I'm not saying that as in like, like as I said, I don't exploit those issues. But, I mean, those issues have rights to exist in, in literature. And I think our role as publishers is to pick those books that we know in the future. Our future generations are going to look back and go, wow, look at these guys, you know, publishing these books that we would never know about those issues in that society at that time if we didn't have those those resources yeah you know a hundred percent i as we read books now that we call classics you know i mean come on you're talking about you're talking about social prejudices let's look at at jane Eyre. let's look at you know like how many books of these elements and things and controversies you want to put political political correctness through the systems you'd never publish anything yeah I agree like Honestly. it's hard it's, it's meant to you're meant to have there will always be people that love and hate it you know there's always going to be people that are going to be absolutely. offended and absolutely love it so you know that's, that's absolutely and I and it's the same with publishers as well I always say we are a choice authors a lot of authors a lot of writers don't respect what we as a middle ground hybrid publishing model are doing for authors they they see things as they they use terms like vanity publishing. They use terms as as they 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 deem that this as we said earlier there are those that rip off authors. So naturally, it's assumed that everyone does it. So there's there's these elements where where the prejudices are all built into the the culture. And no matter what you do, you will always face one to two objectivities. And that's the balance of the universe. You have to have positives and negatives. You can't walk through life with sunflowers and roses and think that the sun's always shining. Yeah. why do why is it that why do you think is it because of you know the couple of dodgy people that are out there that have ripped authors off that is why hybrid publishing can be 
you know, not no, actually, um, vanity, public, vanity publishing and hybrid publishing was started by the big, again, the top end uh, companies. Hmm. When um, when publishing was threatened in the 90s, when when self publishing became a thing where authors could write their own books, go to a printer and get it formatted, it was much more expensive, of course, because it wasn't on there was no internet, but it was physical that they could go down and print 100 copies of their books and go out and give it to their family and friends or put it in the local bookshops. Um, once the internet started and um, the tsunami with Amazon and all these uh, access resources that you could get hold of to help publish a book um, with little or no knowledge or effort, it was almost press button, click throughs, cut and paste. It was great. Authors loved it. What happened was the traditional publishers got threatened by all these people individually just shortcutting the, the process of publications because traditional publishers would sit on books for nine months. They'd take two years to publish them. They'd have contracts. They'd want to go through the filter system. It was an honour to be published. You know, yeah. you really earned the right to be a published author. What happened in the 90s and early 2000s was everything got shortcut. So naturally, propaganda machine, traditional publishers start sitting up going, well, they're vanity publishers. We are real publishers. We do not. We publish authentically the old traditional way. And these people out there running around like that are vanity. They just want to tell people how good they are. They don't care about the quality. They don't care. And they, so they branded the industry. Around the later 2000s, in the, probably 2005, the internet allowed for people to offer services online to help authors gauge and manage and make sure some of those processes can be done better. So they bit hybrid was born, which is the middle ground where basically we can contract out the services and like anything, you would invest. And then, of course, we would take the package and we called it, they became publication services. Um, so realistically, at first, it was just services. It was a printer taking the next step. Okay, we can access a lot of this data now. We can go into these networks. We can set up more marketing. You don't have to worry as an author. Pay us. We'll go and do it. That's fine. There was no governing controls. And actually, the rates and charges were extremely higher and lower. Everyone had a different set price. It's just what you felt you wanted to charge. Again, big publishers saw the threat, saw the hybrid publishing model thinking, hey, these guys are actually producing some good stuff. They're actually printing off some good books. And they're actually getting into our stores and our libraries. Get them out of the way. Let's brand them down. So hence the networks and the whole social demographic was bad. Don't want that help. Don't want that. Don't need that. Let's keep it traditional. Let's keep it, you know, we don't want our kids learning school at home. We don't want kids, you know, having independent thought. We want them set in an educational system that tells them how they are to be taught. And that's how the world operated. And it still does in some ways. But yeah. now hybrid publishing has actually established so much more credibility and set itself in the market in the last 10 years that people and authors have so many more choices that the shopping around element has to be really considered because you do have to look at your investment, your return, um, your service abilities, like what transparency does the company have? What, what do they really care and really want to help you with? Um, and like I said to you, I could go on for days about the political and about the social demographics of publishing, but um, for anybody in the startup mode, <laughs> set a clear budget, have a good conversation with the publisher, make sure it's a clear conversation. Don't rely on emails, make sure there's a person on the other end mm -hmm. and just really be involved in the process. Uh, and trust the process, trust the person you've trusted to help you, let them help you yeah. um, and, and go with it. But uh, like I said, all these little pieces of the industry that are misconstrued, uh, it just I change in one author at a time 
as one author talks to me, I tell them the stories and they go through the process and they see with open eyes different elements in the market. You can tell straight away in the marketing. There's all these courses out there too, which disappoint me, uh, that manipulate and monopolize authors with promises of selling lots of books. You can sell a million books. And they really con authors out of thousands of dollars. And then the author comes to me and says, oh, I just did this course and I'm just really not having any luck and maybe you can do better. And I'm like, yeah, I can do better because you know why? And the way selling a book is only going through the traditional challenges. You've got to focus on a bookstore, a library, a school, and also your, for your local network. They're the only real steps you can to selling a book. There's no quick fix secret. There's no, you know, sell a million copies overnight. If there was, I would have sold a million copies of every book I published. Yeah. You know, I'm a fairly smart guy. Yeah. So, you know, I know that that the models of, of these, you know, they're really part of the system that doesn't work either as well. They're just making money and that, that disappoints me. Yeah. You know, if they're so good at it, my, my challenge to those courses and those things and people who go to do these courses, ask them, if you're so good at it, how come, you know, you know, just do this for me. I'll pay you instead of paying you five grand for the course. What if I pay you five grand to do my book? You do it. You run around and publish it and do it and show me how good it gets back. A hundred percent. I think, yeah, a lot of those things can pry on people seeing them as the artist and, and not being part of the business. And that's mm. what I would say to anyone who's, who's out there going to publish is exactly what you said. Just make sure that you have those right questions with the public. Like yeah. if you do have any questions, is that what you say? Make sure you can get them on the phone yep. and ask everything you want. Don't be afraid to ask anything. Yep. Just get everything answered and yeah and sit down and have a coffee with them yeah yeah because because the confidence they should have in being the fact they have nothing to hide is what you need to know um and that's where that's where you know that's the person who will work on your team and that's what you're building as an author you're alone in the market Mm. you're alone when you're writing and you're building a team so you've got to find the right assets in that team you want a good quarterback you want a good blocker you want a good you know five eight you want all the team in the right position yeah and then you want to let them out when the book's ready into the field and score some tries that's the goal you know absolutely so is this kind of where you see the industry of publishing evolving to like more up-and-coming authors going this this direction absolutely yeah absolutely i think self i think authors are going to start to recognize that they are part of the tsunami of of lesser quality um if they aren't able to break out like i said Mm -hmm. the ones that break out on their own they know it's a lot of work. They know it. they have to do a lot on their own. They know there's not a lot of support. So on their own, they've chosen that path and they're doing relatively well. Those that, that either don't have the time, they're working full-time jobs, they've got families, they've got, you know, they need to externalise their resources. So, of course, that then comes down to budgets, comes down to planning and who to use. Um, and this industry is going to grow. But what I, there's lots of changes I'd like to see in this industry for, yeah. for hybrid models. And I think that's where, the government and the big publishers are actually fighting the system as well um, is because they're not allowing for these, I guess, um, these benchmarks to be in place. So there needs to be governance on fees. There needs to be a way of saying like, you know, if you go to a plumber, you get three quotes, you go with the best plumber, blah, blah, blah. That's a standard industry. If you don't like Mm -hmm. the plumber, you go to fair work, you go to consumer, you go, you know, so there's no governing issue. Um, in the sense of bodying the system. So okay. if I think I think authors would have more confidence if they knew they could come up and they say, right, every service provider provides the same service. We're all the same yeah. price and we have additionals if we want to have those options. But yeah. there's a governance that says you don't have to, you should not spend more than this and you shouldn't need to spend more than this. And there should be a guidance that says these things should be incorporated. And there is a hybrid model uh, code of ethics, I guess you'd say, that we use. Yeah. Um, we have to have uh, we have to have legitimate registered distribution. 
We have to have legitimate registered reselling networks. We have to have legitimate registered um, services and costings and contracts with people if we're externalizing services, like sometimes we use outside editors and designers. So there are elements that we have to abide by. We have to sell a certain number of books. We have to give back a higher percentage to the authors. We have to charge uh, what's called um, the, the term. The term is acceptable losses. Yeah. And by that, what that means is whatever an author invests into the services we provide or the solutions we help them with, those those losses, if if it doesn't work, if the book doesn't sell, if things don't happen, those losses can't exceed you know ridiculous amounts. So you shouldn't mm. be putting in a hundred thousand dollars to publish your book because that could risk your house or your yes. job. So whatever realistic losses you can achieve um, is what your comfortable margin should be. So if you said, you know, it's like buying a car, oh, I'd love to get a, you know, great big, beautiful, zooped up Chevy hot rod. It costs $120,000. Wow, that'd be so cool. Do I need it? Do I have the money? What if I crash it? How much is it to insure it? How much is it to fix it? So, you know, you've got to say, yeah, it's probably not in my budget, but I can do a $20,000 version to rip off. So, you know, you've got to be compromisable yeah, and make sure that everything you're working towards uh, is, as I said, uh, done with the best team and at the best price. But for me, changing the industry, I would want to see governance and I'd want to see um, acknowledgement from the, the top end because that's where the industry falls down. Um, like allowing us to have, um, I guess, more access in the awards uh, considerations you know we can yeah. submit and we can be considered and we can nominate and we can be supported um, but if you look at past winners over the last 10 years it's always the top five publishers so you really got to you know set up how you can do your benchmarks and build your blocks and then you know I probably sound like a ranting fool no I love this not, keep going it's not about that yeah mm. yeah it's just and- me as an, as an insider and an outsider on both levels I can yeah. see the, the goods and the bads and as you said, if I could change anything in the industry, I'd want a governance of mm-hmm. standards that's clear across the board for everybody. So when they come to me and they go to two other publishers in my same mid-level publishing, they get the similar quote, maybe $500 variances. Yeah. They're getting the same services, the same supports, the same strategies, the same quality of paper and print, the same distribution, the same guarantees. But yeah. until that happens... We can where the market can be manipulated and do whatever they want. That's the challenge, yeah. and that's where it's letting itself down, and that makes it so hard for authors because they're like, "Well, I just spent ten grand. Oh, what do I get? What do I do? Where did this?" And what they don't even know sometimes how they're paying and what they're paying up. Yeah. Um, and that's the disappointing part because there's no transparency as well. Yeah. Sorry, but- don't mean to rant on. Apologies no. to everybody. <laughs> It, well, it's, it's honestly, it brings reality to the industry um, of what's really going on behind the scenes, especially yeah. if you're like a first upcoming author and you're, yeah. I, I don't want to like ruin anyone's dream, absolutely never stop like doing this, but it's, it's getting smart and understanding the business and, and knowing your best pathway um, mm. towards where you want to be essentially as well. So absolutely, absolutely. I'll, I'll ask a couple of final questions. So say someone um, is never been published before and they want to know about the publishing process are you able to give us a rundown of what happens from signing to release yeah um well for us i mean different publishers have different rules and one of the things is and this is key for new authors this is really really so emphasizably important and it's actually sometimes why authors decide not to go with our services because they you need time Mm -hmm. and that's your biggest asset 
because time is when you can build the plan, you can edit properly, you can design properly, you can be prepared for side swipes like COVIDs. You can yes. do things that, you know, you can build relationships like, you know, your book's coming out. You go to the bookstores and say, hey, my book comes out in three months. How can I work with your bookshop? Prepare them. Go off to the event. Plan a launch party. Do things in advance. When authors come to me and they say, oh, you know, I know it's November, but can I get it out at Christmas? Um, well, yeah, you can, 2024. <laughs> because, like, you know, we're not a printer. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not like because we invest a lot in these books. So I think for authors who are looking at the publishing process, once they sign on, they need to be patient. Mm-hmm. and they need to trust the strategies they for us they work through a very comprehensive questionnaire they go through a very strategic marketing thing so we can set up a, you know the press release the the advance notice the pre-sale period which happens usually four to six months before the book comes out because you want people like a movie trailer you want them hungry for the book you go, oh wow yeah. this is coming out i want to see this i want to read this book i want yeah. to order it and that's the pre-sale that's the goal that tells us too it's ticking is the marketing working if not we can change it we can work something else out and if you don't use that time once the book's out it's done. Yeah. You know, you've got your momentum and you can still keep selling and, and, and things, but I guarantee you six months after a new book is out, every other reader is looking for something newer. Yeah. Unless an author, and that's what I say to my authors, is if you want to be a writer, then you need at least three or four books because you want to have a compound presence in the market that mm-hmm. gives the reader a following. Once they're addicted to the following, they want the next book, they want the next book, then you've got the hook, line and sinker. And that's yeah four or five books into a series or four or five books into an author. And that's the branding that they recognize as well. percent. It takes time to build that. That's a good three, four years for most writers, new authors. And most of, to give people listening, the impression is pretty much over 90% of our authors have already signed on for second or third books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got one lady who signed up for 10 books over the next five years. She that's wants two a year. So, and she's you've set a budget. She's set a plan. We've set a schedule. That's what we're going to do. And they're okay. great books. So yeah. she in five years will probably be very distinctively known <laughs> because 10 books is very powerful in an, in an arsenal of assets too. schools, yeah. libraries, bookshops like to buy consecutive events. And if they can book you for occasions and, and, and readings and events, they will be able to do that because they'll have this relationship as well. That's your gold ticket. If you've got the relationships building with the bookstores and the onlines and the elements there because you're consistent, that's our goal as publishers. Out getting a first-time author out in the market takes ninety-five percent more hard work. Getting a second book out takes eighty percent more work. Getting a third book out is fifty percent of the work, forty percent, and then the numbers drop as each book comes down. By the time you get the five, fifth, or sixth book, the book should be selling itself quite comfortably. Mm-hmm. The publisher doesn't have to do much but just send out an email to tell everyone it's coming. And that's yeah. the way you want yourself as a writer to be. And you should then start seeing good returns on books as well. I'm not saying first authors don't see returns. I'm just saying that the, the full-time writers and livers of dreams are the ones that are having um, a good five or 10 books. Yeah, absolutely. That's, Stay consistent that's, an industry, that's an industry observation too because it's, it's fairly predominant. Yeah, um, specifically yeah. with fiction, I think. Like series, are, mm. series is kind of a place to be at and yeah. that. Yeah. Um, Excellent. Do you have a favourite book? Uh, as in what I'm reading now? Yeah, what are you reading now? What are you- <laughs> um, I have all, all my books. All my books are favourites. I can't pick one. I'm a bit yeah, biased. Yeah. It's like having my children. Do you have a favourite child? No. Um, <laughs> no the, um, yeah, I, I'm reading one at the moment. I love, we just released it actually. It's called Conquering Clouds. It's been a book that I've been watching. Um, and the woman who wrote it, Ruth Wilson, is just uh, an astounding 
Australian, uh, an amazing woman, first air balloon, hot air balloonist. Um, wow. Achieved so many awards and recognitions, and she's just so inspiring. And just as a, as a thing, she, we actually did a podcast with her recently for a book, and I just really enjoy it. And I, I, I know that I'm not biased. All our books are very good, and I just find her story so um, inspiring and empowering. And so, I mean, you're talking about someone who, who against so many odds and tragedies and challenges, which I won't go into because it's worth the story, but it's something that you're just going to compare your life to and think, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I ain't that much worried about it. I'm okay. It's all good. Have some perspective. It's all yeah, good. yeah. Actually, well, that's a great thing for this time, this, this <laughs> current environment as well. Um, yeah. yeah, I saw that book come out on, I saw the email you put out about it yesterday and the cover is mm. gorgeous actually. So yeah um that's excellent no, it is one of the probably it's one of the probably nicest memoirs and that's the challenge too like you've got new authors who have really real authentic and true stories and there's some really great stories that we've got coming out and they're published and these are stories that are true to people mm. and it's hard because they're not the celebrity you know mm. like they're not they're not dick smith they're not lisa curry they're not bob hawk they're not you know they're, they're people in everyday life yeah. and their stories still matter and that's what's yeah. important to me as a publisher that I want those stories to be shared because as I said it may not be that they are bestsellers now but in the history of 50 years from now there'll be something that someone somewhere will benefit from and Absolutely. I had an old shearer had an old shearer named Jack to ask me because he wants to do tell his biography he sure sheep back in 1940s through the 40s 50s and he's going why is anyone going to care about me jack a ruin around australia you know back in the 50s i said why would anyone care i mean i've written this book but it's not very good and blah blah and i said jack it's hilarious it's authentic it's so real and it's yeah. the part of our history that the future is going to have to want to know because they're going to forget these pieces mm -hmm. you know and having someone that day-to-day -day story oh it's gold i mean he is yeah. such an authentic character you know? Yeah. Um, and so as a publisher, I'm like, well, I, I think it just has to happen. It just has to be done. You know? And there's readers that absolutely crave that. Like that's what, you know, to read that story. It's beautiful. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. And again, you've got, you've got to have in fact a passion and enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. As a publisher, if they're not enthusiastic and passionate about your book, that's not even a sign. <laughs> because if a publisher sits there and goes, yeah, sure, we're going to publish 100 copies of your book. We're going to put it in the bookshops. It'll be great. Thanks for coming. Then run. Just run. <laughs> Because, yeah, because that publisher, he don't know what he's doing. Yeah, because you got to love stories. Yeah, you got to love the writers. I love the connection in the community. I love talking to people and my authors one on one and getting that connection and get their goals and get an understanding of their minds and then what they want and say to them, "Well, we can do that, but you know, there's a certain way of doing it, and everyone's happy. It's great, you know. That's 100%. that's my buzz. Absolutely, like enthusiasm is. An excellent way to say if, if someone's not enthusiastic about your work, why would you want to work with them? But if someone's yeah, not enthusiastic, yeah. like don't, then that's not yeah, the person. No, no, you don't want to. You don't want a librarian to be a bookseller. No, you know, <laughs> no a librarian. Very... A librarian will stack your book great, but <laughs> they won't sell it. Yeah. You know, have you ever gone and asked the lib? Have you ever asked the librarian, "Hi, can you tell me what this book's like?" Yeah, no, I don't know about it. Just, uh, <laughs> it's on number six six seven Z row D. So just put it in your file. <laughs> yeah anyway, um is there any any like last bit, bit of advice that you want to share with any upcoming writers or also please share where if there's anyone out there with a manuscript that are really interested in submitting it to you how can they do that uh through our website it's easier straight up yep. just go to the submit button um always looking for new talent of course because that's our job yep. but if you're looking to be a serious writer then keep writing and learn yep. the art of writing seriously like that's it. Like basically, if you're going to be serious, if you have a goal about being serious, 
Mm-hmm. And it takes time. It takes discipline. I mean, we all didn't drive a car. We all didn't walk. We all didn't do it first time. We've got to practice, 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 as, you know, yeah. piano teachers like to say. Practice. But, um, yeah, and perfection does not make practice. Yes, I like that. <laughs> People yes. don't think to just write a book perfectly the first time, believe me. Yeah. You know, I've, re- I've had writers who have come to me and say, I've been sitting on this for 25 years and I'm still trying to write it. You just, you're just going to keep doing it and just do it yep. and love it. Yeah. Because if you don't love it, no one else will. I love that. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so, I'm, there's so much goodness in there. I can. <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to talk on. It's probably a bit longer than you expected. No, I, I, I love this. I feel like I've, I've, it's ended up being like this each one is a little bit longer than because I get into these great conversations. So thank you very <laughs> much um, for joining us today. And so, yeah, if anyone wants to submit, it's just shorelinepublishing.com.au. Is that right? It is. It Perfect. is. Yes. Excellent. And don't take it personally if you're not successful. Um, consider what, you know, you need to be successful. You are welcome also to ring us and email us and we'll try to talk to you if we can. We can't over, you know, give all our time up for that, but we, you know, can help if we can. That's all I can say. Excellent. Thanks um, so much, Brad. That's been great. Thank you. No, thank you. Okay. Bye.